1: Let's get started. Hey, everyone. I wanted to jump in quickly and let you know about the release of the audio version of my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, narrated by David A. Knasser. If you want to support the show, you can buy it wherever audio books are sold. Links are also in the show notes. To those of you that have already got yourself a copy, thanks so much. It means the world to me that you want to support the show, but also build a better world. Through entrepreneurship. Now, on to my guest for today, Tim Sprinkle, founder of Layup Content and author of Screw the Valley, a coast to coast tour of America's new startup culture. Tim is a formal journalist who grew frustrated with the quality of content businesses were trying to pitch in order to get stories written. So in 2014, he started his own PR company, Layup Content where he helps companies figure out and tell their stories. Tim shares my vision of making the core of selling a product, figuring out its story. For Tim, he usually finds the story he wants to tell after talking to his client for 20 minutes or so. Having a good story, not getting out as much content as possible, is key for building a brand. You never want to compete with the noise by producing more noise. That isn't the way to success. One of the writers Tim admires is John McPhee, a writer who's been able to gain access to all kinds of situations by being just a bit quirky and disarming. Similarly, sometimes finding the one thing that makes a person or company different can be key to telling their story. Now, let's get better together. Tim Sprinkle, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Oh yeah. Anytime. I, uh, well, you and I sort of do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was actually on a podcast for uh, Tyler, is it Tyler Gray. Yeah. Tyler Gray. And he, him and I also do the same thing. And when he sent the email out that, Hey, I put a competitor on my podcast. How cool is that? And I'm like, really Tyler, come on, man. competitor. <laughs> We're all like kumbaya and the same thing. We all love stories. And that's what we'll talk about, obviously, in a second. And um, we also met each other on matchmaker.fm. And like I like to say, they don't even pay me to say that. Maybe they should one day um, because it's such a great platform for finding guests and being on shows. So kudos to them for hooking us up. Um, but before we talk about your firm, your history of storytelling and what you do, um, with, uh, layup, uh, why don't you give us a little background on how you got to do what you're doing today?
2: So the really, uh, you know, high level story for me is, um, I was a journalist, full-time journalist for 20 years. Um, what was in DC for a long time, uh, worked in New York a little bit, um, came out to Colorado a number of years ago. And that was, um, that was awesome. I worked for Yahoo Finance. I worked for a bunch of digital media startups. I worked for a bunch of magazines, newspapers. Um, I've written probably a 1,000 various articles for everything from wired to outside to backpacker. Um, and I don't know, about six years ago or so, um, I was, a lot of what I was covering those days as a reporter was uh, on the business and finance side of things. And that was kind of my world. Uh, I covered insurance for a long time and things like that, where it's kind of deep, uh, kind of B2B stuff. Um, and I discovered that everything I was getting from all of my sources, and I I, I was getting four hundred emails a day from the folks from Goldman Sachs on down the line, all garbage, just boring, dirt, dry, nothing exciting. <laughs> I called these guys up and you know, I talked to them for stories and talked to them about, about you know questions and always super engaging, always had interesting stuff to say, dropped first of all, they dropped a ton of F bombs. They're bankers, and yeah, fun, they had personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Two drinks minimum
1: for bankers <laughs> <Yeah>. and marketing. <laughs> <laughs> But it wasn't coming through. It was boring
2: stuff. So, like, I, I decided that, you know, kind of the journalism world was going through a bit of a head exploding disaster, which is still going on. Um, and I decided to get out and, and help uh, the folks that I was kind of using as sources and working with just do a better job telling their own stories. And, you know, for in venture capital, for one thing, like, there's nothing that's not cool about what VC is doing. Like, you're, you're talking to entrepreneurs every day, like, seeing all kinds of stuff way before anyone else does. And, you know, they've got such a great opportunity to kind of just share that. And that's what, um, that's what I wanted to do is just help them do a better job.
1: Wow. Yeah. So you're a recovering journalist. (laughs) I meet a, I meet a lot lot of of those. Yeah, I know. Well, I meet a lot of people, you know, what I do with, you know, JSYP on marketing and, and all the storytelling, like a lot of journalists get on the other side of the fence, you know, to try to pitch themselves. And I, Mm -hmm. I think they all have a really good, uh, what I would say is, um, an advantage that way because they know that they know the game a little bit more, but I think more importantly, like how things are evolving. You're totally right. That um the world is just like, everything is news now, which it oh never gosh. used to be that way. And you're like, really news. This, this, this is the news. This is just some, you know, press release or some, you know, intern at a big company, putting yeah. out some social stuff. You know what I mean? And so h- how has the transition been? I mean, you know, it's, you know, like all the places that you've worked for doing a thousand stories, which is a ton um, and all these different, like pretty high profile places to now be on the other side. How's that feel?
2: It's weird sometimes. And I'll, I'll tell you, like, it, there used to be a time in my life where I could get anyone to call me back and that doesn't happen anymore. Like it's, it's a different world and that's fine. You know, I don't necessarily need the CEO of, you know, intel to call me back today but it would be cool if you did uh so some of that stuff is different i mean it's a it's a different relationship and when i first started doing this like i i really kind of was focused on you know this this the skill set that i had as just writing and researching and stuff like that and kind of figuring out what angles work um and it's been a process it's kind of figuring out how to turn that into a company and, and the, the agency model that i've kind of fallen into is the most logical thing for that but like it's 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 weird. It's different. I still miss, you know, the daily writing. Um, I don't miss like doing that for 15 hours a day and then falling asleep. Um, but I, I do think it's it's a different skill.
1: Yeah. No. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit different when you're trying to, you know, when you're the agency or someone trying yeah. to get someone's attention. I, it's fo- so funny because a lot of people start off like doing PR and stuff at like a big company like Google. Right. Mm. And then they're, you know, then they're like, they don't understand why people don't, you know, take my phone calls or like, like my story when they're like, a, a, you know, a, a freelancer or at a small agency. And it's like, well, it's cause you're not pitching Google. Like, of course anyone will pick your phone call up. Right. It's that's the art of it all. You yeah. Know? It's uh it's just such an interesting time now. I think that, you know, the line between PR and marketing, Blurry, social media blurs all that there's so much noise out there with just everything going on in the content space and, and, and all just, it's almost like a, it's like, there's the signal, the noise and the static, right? The mm-hmm. level of statics just started, you know, going up more and more. And, and, and I know that you, your, your agency layup is very story focused and I'm curious what you guys feel about story and the power of story and you know wh- why is it the centerpiece of your sort of your offering as opposed to just the standard marketing stuff
2: yeah for us like, it, it's part of our USP in large part because we feel like we can do it and I think a lot of the agency folks that I, I talk to and this is gonna sound needlessly harsh and unpleasant but, you know <laughs> they they do a great job with like the blocking and tackling and like the setting up digital marketing strategies all the stuff that I frankly just don't necessarily specialize in yep. um, when it comes to actually writing the stuff and pre- producing stuff it's not great and it takes yep. a lot of like finagling and you're, you're putting together a killer you know email marketing campaign that goes out to a hundred thousand people that's awesome and then you got typos in your emails and it, it, and that's for us like we it's not that we don't have that sometimes but like we really want to like make it clear that we're not necessarily going to be your social media manager 24 Mm. hours a day, but we are going to make sure that what does go out there is is really awesome and really works.
1: Yeah, so it's sort of the difference between the quality content and just quantity of content. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think SEO kind of pushed quantity up the you know up the list for a long time, and it still is important. But when you go down that rabbit hole, you sometimes you get in some trouble.
1: Yeah, I, I agree because I think a lot of the stuff that even what I see when I help try to help clients and they want this many posts per week and, you know, this, this kind of blog and social and all that. And, and, you know, you can get people to write all that stuff that I think is almost like it's uh it's like, I wouldn't call it a content mill because that's a pretty bad <laughs> an, uh, connotation, but, but I'll call it a content mill. Cause I think it is a content mill in some case in some cases, but the underlying soul of it or the story of it, or the, the through line of the whole thing just doesn't seem consistent. I mean, you know, I I work with this company called Sutro and they do smart pool water monitors, right? Like, you know, Um, but it's, it's like this interesting thing because like the pool and spa industry is all about, you know, kitschy, cutesy, you know, little cartoon characters and like, Drinking a Bud Light with your hamburger. I mean, I'm paraphrased, but the general consensus. And so the stories around that are just seemed kind of kind of fall flat for me. But maybe maybe it's just that's who I am. But I, I see that the the level of story has to get better in order to get your your you know, your message heard. I I, I can't. I can't see why anyone wouldn't focus on the quality of the message as opposed to the quantity of the messages going out. Yeah, I mean, I think it's
2: you're right. Like it's just noise. And and when you're competing with noise with more noise, it doesn't get you anywhere. And it, it does it's a it's not easy. Like it really if you're a pool supply company, I mean what are you gonna do to elevate yourself from the other pool supply companies down the road? And if it's just being more creative and just having a kind of a different twist on it, that's sometimes that's okay. It's enough. But it, I definitely think that like being stuck in our offices right now or in someone's backyard or things like that uh, has made it really obvious of uh, the importance of kind of just doing something better.
1: That I a hundred percent agree with. I mean, one of the trends that is accelerated is this whole on demand, online, on premises, kind of super serve the customer with convenience whereas yeah price is important and of course amazon as an example wins on that and and like getting back to the pool and spa industry they're freaked out about amazons and the home depots and all of these like massive retailers that have scale that goes beyond pool chemicals but one of the things you that you got to realize about the pool and spa industry is that when your pool's green home depot ain't going to help you (laughs) neither is Amazon. (laughs) it's the local pool person professional or the store that has to come in and fix it because who knows why it's green i mean they know to a first order but the the alchemy of how that all works is just such it's not easy and the story around that and why it's important to have a local knowledge and why it's important to have a pool professional even if you do it yourself and why it's important to know what your pool chemistry is and all that and that's that's the sutro story that's what we're trying to get through through having this thing called the smart water ecosystem. But telling that story in an industry that's not used to that, have you found that your story approach works for some industries or they're more like apt to be like, yeah, Tim, great idea. Here's the check. Or they're (laughs) like, no, Tim, you know what we really want is we need – 10 social media posts with cute pandas or some, you know, silly thing like that. It, oh
2: yeah. I mean like the, the two worst words in the known universe and, and uh, you might agree with me are legion. And when <laughs> I hear that, you yes. know that like we're looking for a certain thing and yes. it's, you're not going to get it the way that I do it. It's something that it won't work, but like it's, it's a different deal. And that's, I think I found that more common in like B2C stuff, yes. like apps and things like that. Cause yes. it is really a direct line between like, somebody in the door, someone downloads the app. Yeah. You can see that that's important for them.
1: Yeah. No, no, you agreed. I mean, you know, what, wh- again, Sutro is the test case for our, you know, discussion of story <laughs> as, as I'm wanting to pick your brain about it. Um, and, and just like your experience with all this, it's interesting because I think you're right. Like lead gen is a bad word. You're also correct that it's important, but the content, that you're generating through stories lays the foundation for lead gen is, right. is at least the way I explain it. And it's not, it's a hit miss hard thing, but not hard in the sense that we don't know how to do it, which I think, you know, again, correct me if I'm wrong, or if you agree with this or not, it's just the process takes longer, but that process, once that has a platform or the, the nice uh, like base, it just seems a lot easier when you like spend the time, <laughs> to, Yeah, you know,
2: I mean, it's, I think it's hard for a lot of people to, to spend that time to do it. Like I always, like my hundred percent example for this sort of thing is Gary V and how he has built his little empire around kind of a lot of his messaging and stuff. But you can tell every single thing he does. It's Gary. It's color scheme is the same. His voice is the same His demeanor is the same. And I think that that's really obvious. And for a, company trying to like put together their brand and kind of their whole brand story thing and all that kind of really hazy language. Once you have something like that kind of settled and you're all set um, it's really easy to build on top of that. Like that's where the, an SEO campaign comes in for sure. Like, you know, you've got a really cool company doing some interesting stuff and you've got a whole story behind it that supports it. And then you start just putting things on top of that that, you know, kind of explain different angles of it. And that turns an easy lead gen.
1: Yeah. So I guess you got to get the story straight first. Yeah. And then once you get the story straight, which happens to be, you know, who you are as a company, your brand, how you feel, how it makes people feel, what it's about. I mean, all this stuff. I bring this all up because I'm actually in the process of working on a book and a method for this that I've found interesting, which maybe offline we could talk about (laughs) because I think you've got a lot of, it's just so interesting when I talk with other, you know, pr marketing agencies i get one of two reactions either like i don't want to talk to you because you're a competitor you know which <laughs> tyler i'm sorry we're we're, we're friends it's, it's just <laughs> i just give them a hard time or it's like oh my gosh you know we need to band together on this story idea because boy the more people that understand the power of story and the why it's important to layer that down it's just going to raise all boats it's going to yeah. be a you know, expansion of the pie as opposed to, Oh, I'm just going to get mine. Cause again, I think it's, I think the scarcity of digital marketing, SEO, turn the crank, algo, 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 which you probably see as well as I do. Um, What do you feed the beast, right? Like (laughs) you feed the, you know, if you feed the beast, what you thought worked for one product doesn't work for another product. Now you're just wasting a ton of time and money. Trying to figure out your experiments, right. which, which you hope if you got your story straight, you'd be able to at least have like, okay, we're going to start here. Like the Gary V example is a great one. Like it's pretty, I wouldn't say it's easy to create content for Gary V, but I'm pretty sure it's like, okay, here's the playbook, right?
2: Oh, yeah. You know? he's so well defined i mean it's just, that's his personality but like it's yeah i guarantee he's got a team of writers who can just totally be him
1: yeah there's another there's a newsletter called the hustle mm. which i don't know if you're familiar with um same thing yeah. the the style of it it's a daily newsletter about tech trends and all you know all sorts of cool stuff all all your daily if you're a millennial or a aging gen xer <laughs> you know you're like oh cool I want to be part with the cool kids you know but their voice, when you you know, there's I don't know, a half a dozen to a dozen people that write the hustle, you can hear the voice because they've got their their fundamental story, like this is what we're about, and it starts with their narrative, right? They're they're this, they they've just nailed it, and yeah. and I think if you so how do we, how do we convince people that <laughs> to, to get the story straight? How how would we do it? If if it, you and I world ruled the world, which we, you know, maybe one day yeah, we, yeah, will. we might, <laughs>
2: um, I'll ask you one question for you. Like, what do you think about your own voice and your own approach? Do you think it can be defined? Do you have a, a grasp on it?
1: Oh yeah, I, for sure. I do. Um, I, I know for me in all the writing that I do, uh, and I, have because I've worked on this, I've worked on it. So for the company, for JSY, it's, you know, we're a, a full service PR and marketing firm that helps startups, nonprofits, and professional athletes tell better stories. That's sort of what we do so they can make a bigger impact. But when it comes to my own personal voice and like how I write my own style, I actually had a creative coach, a guy named Mark McGinnis, who who have had on the podcast. Great guy. Everyone, everyone should follow Mark 21st century creative. He, We did an exercise where he's like, what is your voice, like your author voice? Mm -hmm. And I think you can do the same thing with an author voice and a brand voice and a brand value because all of it sort of is about who you are. And he's like, so if you were to pick three writers that you would want to emulate, who would they be? Like, just, just name them. And I'm all, oh man, that's a tough one because you know everyone's unique, but we're not unique. We're unique like everyone else, but there's parts of us that are different. Like I'm sure as a journalist, there are certain journalists where you're like, I want to be like him or her. Yeah. And so for me as a writer, there was three we came up with, which I was actually once I figured this out, I'm like, I've got it, I cracked the nut. The first one was uh, Anthony Bourdain. Wanted to have a style of writing like Anthony Bourdain, and that was the casual style. Red punk rock kind of thing he does. Yeah did. yeah, did, right? Um, Jeremy Clarkson from mm-hmm. Top Gear fame, how he presents in the wit and wisdom, but also the the zingers out of left field, right? And also the rapid fire. And then there was Hunter S. Thompson because of the way that he... I think for him, what, why I like Hunter's stuff is the way he sets the stage and the scene... And you feel like you're there. It's like, yeah. wow. And also like his quips and, you know, he's just this, and what was, of course, this insane <laughs> writer. So his, pa- so,
2: his pacing is always cool though. because like, you felt like he's pulling you through. Like I yeah, walked well, through the Kentucky Derby. Like, yeah, this, like you felt that.
1: You f- yeah. So again, that's right. Like I, when my writing as an example, when I when I wrote, write any of my books, I am one of these people that likes to to like, my first draft runs so fast through Mm. people are like, you got to slow down, man. (laughs) Give me some time to catch my, Oh, we got to get, cause I'm like, boom, boom, boom. I like, I like the rapid pace. Um, so I know, you know, in my style, I need to like reel back. I need to add some Jeremy Clarkson, need to add some Anthony Bourdain, some flavor, but then I need to, okay. When I need to pick the pace up, I'm like, okay, Hunter, boom, 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 boom. You know? Mm. Um, so what about you?
2: Well, you've already taken one of mine, so we'll skip Hunter for right now. <laughs> okay, for cool. me, like I was big into, and I still am on my bookshelf right here. Uh, Michael Lewis is one for me, in part because of the research side of things and kind of his approach to assembling a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you two more. The other, the other guys, uh, John McPhee from Princeton is one that I really like for the same reason. He takes big chunks of information and puts it together in a way that doesn't necessarily confuse you. You know it's not like this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened it's he's bringing together different stuff, and it, it again it feels pretty organic and Barry Lopez, the nature writer, does the same thing like he's writing about wolves for five hundred pages and it all it makes sense and it doesn't necessarily feel like you're following a wolf around it It really does kind of feel like more of a you know a disjointed but coherent story,
1: yeah, no, those are all good yeah i've 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 heard of I think I've heard of McPhee.
2: Yeah, McPhee's an interesting guy. I told I was actually on a podcast the other day. I told him my my favorite John McPhee story is I I went to a book signing of his like 15 years ago or something like that out here. And he was you know signing afterwards and I was talking to him a little bit. And he he's kind of an odd little dude. And he's an old, you know, 80-something year old professor at Princeton, big long beard, not very tall, just kind of a quirky northeastern guy. And he told me that he uses it's it's his personality and he kind of uses that as to a way to disarm people. And he's written books with, he has access to things that you or I probably wouldn't necessarily get. Like he's in with a bunch of truck drivers and get, mm-hmm. follows them around the country and, and writes books about it and, and can get in with people and really relate to people in a really personal way by being so disarming. And for me, that was like a kind of a cool little thing because it's your personal approach to life can serve you as, a, as what you want to do with it. And I, you know, I, that for me was a kind of a fun lesson and I, I, it sticks with me just because I may not be the most buttoned up normal person in the world, but (laughs) it works for me sometimes. And that's, it's a good lesson.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is that, uh, for brands and for companies, I think a lot of them are afraid to have that quirk, Exactly. Yeah. be the personality you are. I mean, there's a couple of brands that really nail this, like uh, Chubby's, the, the shorts brands. They nail their personality. Mm-hmm. Liquid Death, you know, canned yeah. water. They nail it. Because um, I think that's what's missing a lot of this stuff is like, what's the personality? You know, I actually read an article. God, I don't remember the name of it. There was this article about the, the rise of the blah brand. Mm -hmm. (laughs) where it's like every brand looks the same with the same e-commerce site, you know, using Shopify and all that. And it's like, Oh, just another vitamin company, just another mass company. Exactly. Yeah. The rise of the blah, which was a great (laughs) article. I'm like, I got to make sure none of my clients or anything (laughs) I ever built is not blah, but it's just, yeah. I mean,
2: it's it's like a lost opportunity, I think, because I think a lot of people are scared to do that sometimes. And yeah, it really is easy to fall into the trap of, I'm a biotech startup. I need to have, my website needs to look, you know, white background, people in lab coats, biotech. And and if I veer away from that, I won't be taken seriously. When they actually, the the honest truth is the opposite is true. And, you know, it really comes down to sometimes it'll work. And you got to really embrace that.
1: Yeah. I mean, and also I think there are some things, like there are some depending on the category of company you are depending on, you know, you, there are some things that have to be mm-hmm. there. Like if you're a biotech company, chances are, there should be some PhD MD guys around or gals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they probably should have something about an FDA thing. I mean, you know, the boring stuff that <laughs> you, sure. I mean, sort of the requirements and conventions, I think, which, which I find fascinating because um, one of the things that I'm trying to figure out is those things so that we don't have to worry about them. We, we know we need to have them, but when we can like really focus on the story and the creative, which is the, what, what I, what actually uh, Rio, who was on the podcast talked about something that he was talking about the zero to one and the one to 10. Mm-hmm. And so the zero to one, you know, Peter Thiel has got the zero to one, like from nothing to, Oh, you know, it worked. And that's like the creative part of what like you and I do which, you know, roughly is probably anywhere from 20 to 30% of our job. The rest of it, the one to 10, which Rio did in the context of design and about, hey, you know what, these colors go together as an example. You know, I think for what we do, there's that zero, that one to 10 thing as well, where there's, yeah, okay, now that we got the story straight, these are the components this is what has to happen on the website. You know, you got to have this, that, and the other thing. So you don't worry; have to worry so much about the mechanics, but worry about the creative. Um, do, is, does your when, when you guys you know at at level up or, or do you guys do that? Have have a methodology like that, or how how does it how does it? I'm sorry, lay. I'm sorry, I'm getting it wrong. <laughs> it's layup, right? Yes. Layup. Okay, and, not level up. Layup. Sorry.
2: Yes, it is. And yes, we do. Um, so our, <laughs> our process is pretty straightforward. And ours even goes down to individual assets. Uh, I have templatized anything I would ever write pretty much. And this is something I actually did when I was a journalist too, because after a while, if you've done that for 10 or 15 years, you're kind of writing the same story over and over again. You get a quote from person one, describe a quote from person two, things like that. So I've done that for about 15 different types of blog posts about 10 or 12 different kinds of like white papers, eBooks, any sort of asset we'd be creating scripts, things like that. We've got a template that we can, I can plug myself or other writers into. And the same thing kind of works for the the process we do when we, we take them from, you know, that one to 10 or it's a lot of the strategy stuff, which is really fun and exciting and, challenging early on once you get to a certain point it's okay we need to start doing x y and z and we i know how many how much posting you need to do i know kind of what kind of lead magnet type stuff you need and we just turn that machine on and then pull in the templates we have and then we can kind of scale that up that's where we try to take the quality thing and incorporate it into the quantity
1: interesting so uh kind of a combination of process and creative i mean
2: a little bit yeah trying to productize it a little bit
1: yeah which is can be hard <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> from first hand experience yeah, it's a moving target <laughs> yeah how hard that can be um but so how do you like so do, um, so do you have a staff i'm assuming like do you have both internal staff and like external staff and contractors or freelancers mm-hmm. um do, do do you have like a process in order to get those cuz like i got to believe that, you know, each brand, each client has got a different voice, right? Mm-hmm. I think we've pretty much established that. Um, does this process, is there like a way that you can then say, hey, this is the brand, it's its uniqueness. Okay, we need this many, this content now that we've got the story straight. Okay, you know, writer one, go for it. Is, is that how it works? or That's is, the hope. I, <laughs> <by> the, <laughs> I mean, I'm being that's, really the, awesome that's the holy grail. <laughs> yeah,
2: it, it, it's really hard to to pull that off. And the way we typically do it is that I've got, and a lot of this, is the people I've worked with for a long time, we've got you know, five, ten years together, and so I know what they do, I know what they sound like, I know kind of how who they are, and what I like to pull them in. If we have like another writer is going to be doing the actual production, pull them in early, and they're involved, and they're talking through the strategy stuff with the clients, and kind of getting a feel for what. They need, and you know, I really kind of want to make sure that it's important to me to that everyone that I work with has ownership in this stuff, and it really feels like they're part of something bigger and better than you know what they were doing before. And so, a large part of that is they can also drive the bus, and they can you know be as much of a partner and advisor as I would be with the client too. And like incorporating kind of them from early early on, the client gets to know them, they get to know their their voice and their feel. I know going in what their voice and feel is going to be and it, it should fit. It'd be the kind of thing that I would do if I was doing it myself. And I think kind of partnering up like that is it's transparent and it also just makes it easier for everybody. Expectations are pretty clear. Yeah. That's a, I mean, the worst thing is when you go to a, a client and they have like very specific expectations of what they want and yeah. then you deliver it. And it turns out that that's not what they really wanted, that they yeah. they need something else. Yeah that's a fun conversation to have yeah
1: yeah you mean you've been in meetings like that too (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) how many this week (laughs) it's such a tough game gosh like i mean i Uh, fell into this whole pr marketing thing you know like i tell on the podcast because of my late wife who who did it for athletes and i'm always amazed one the dynamics of it and you know, how it's fickle in some ways and the expectations are weird. But then the other thing I was super impressed was like, oh, I'm actually really good at this. And it's because of the story, mm-hmm. it's the storytelling and getting inside the head of the the prospect or the customer or, or you know, advocates or, you know, the affiliate, you know, the people that are like interacting with it. And it's 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 like a game, but it's also, you know, as a writer, which I'm sure you can attest to, there's just nothing better than having someone read your stuff and like like it, and yeah. and and when they like it, they buy stuff. And you're like, wow, people actually buy stuff. How does this work? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, this is pretty. I mean, I can actually write and get paid for it, and you know, which is a little bit different than I mean, you know, being a journalist. I'm assuming it was probably felt pretty good when people re- read your stuff and comments. Yeah, it was always a good feeling, yeah.
2: I mean, I think that like any time that you, you get in somebody's head and you work with them long enough, like, yeah, it's fickle. I don't understand how people scale these businesses to massive scale because it's, it's so personal. And once you find like the right clients and you kind of partner up with them, it's awesome. Like it, it just works. And, you know, to get to that point takes a lot of time and energy sometimes. But, you know, to your point, I think, you know, kind of once you get in their head and, you can, and they like what you're doing and you can kind of do it over and over again and show those results it's uh, it's a great feeling. It's not different than, you know, any sort of positive feedback.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, it's just so fickle sometimes because, <laughs> you know, it's funny because, um, you know, a lot of, like a lot of content marketing and, and I don't know if, if your, if your firm does this, but we sometimes get asked a lot to quantify like PR mm-hmm. and, publications and reach and all these what are called uh coverage reports which are like the bane of my existence because they're like really coverage you know okay i i'm i mean i'm a big data guy because i have an engineering background but a lot of reports and data just no one one no one ever reads and two no one really understands how to interpret you know so i'm always like well, I think the thing that's most important is sales. <laughs> so yeah. let's figure out how to optimize sales. But I always get these uh, these sort of interesting discussions about A/B testing, and mm. again, this this is why the story matters. I think, you know, uh, I know some firms that we work with that'll just they'll A/B test, you know, tens, if not hundreds, of different things, and and like just wasting all this time and energy on these, you know. Little tweak here, little tweak there. Which you know, as again, as you go from one to ten, you can do. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't, if you haven't figured out zero to one, it's like throwing stuff at a wall. You know? Yeah. Um. Is is, is that your experience as well, or is there like, or do you just sort of avoid? That? I, I think the,
2: for me, yeah, it to- totally is my experience. I think, and I I run to it a fair amount when. A lot of what's happening in the world, especially in the tech world, is about you know speed to market, you know essentially throwing something together and seeing what sticks, which is a wonderful plan for that. And they've got plenty of methodologies around that. I think that when you try to do that on a $100,000 marketing budget or PR budget and things just aren't working and you start throwing things against the wall, you're just you're digging your own hole and not learning anything in the process, which is a real, it's a bummer. It's just a different way of approaching it
1: yeah no, you're right. this whole m v p uh fail early fail often, you know quick to market. I, I like to think of it as the kind of the trinity of product market fit, go to market and like story the story mm-hmm. like those three have to intertwine, and for whatever reason, no one like works on the story as much as they work on the m v p or the product market fit or go to market, like the whole buzzword bingo for startups I mean maybe. Yeah. I mean like the methodology on how to make the story, get the story straight is just as important as the product and how you're going to go to market.
2: Yeah. It's, it's definitely part of the go to market. I mean, cause it's, yeah, it's absolutely. what you're going to market with really.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting because yeah, again, especially I think you nailed it when it came to all these tech startups who were like, we're going to do a hack day. We're going to get on product hunt and then we're going to figure out what sticks. Yeah. And you know, that's a good way to innovate. You know, it ain't, I don't think it's like the most product, well, most efficient. Um, but I mean, I I, I think that a lot of times you just kind of get on that rat race and that wheel. I mean, there, there's a book I'm reading called Loon Shots. Have you heard of it? No. Loon Shots. And I don't remember the name of the author and it, it escapes me, but I'm I'm listening to it. And it's about how what what a you know you've heard of a moonshot right which is like yeah. oh shoot for the moon right well a loon shot is even crazier than a moonshot <laughs> and, uh, and and it it the um the whole premise of the book is balancing what they call the the artists and the soldiers mm-hmm. and the artist is the loonshot person the Steve Jobs who just like I'm just going to make the most wackiest thing. And then the soldiers are the ones that are on what, are, what he calls franchises, the ones that are like making the money. And the best example is the Apple II versus the Macintosh, right? I mean, just the classic loon versus, verse, hey, man, we're the ones making all the money. Hey, man, we're the future, right? This, this dichotomy. And, uh, and what's interesting, and the reason why I bring it up is because when it comes to the story of your brand or your company and how you're innovating – and getting back to this, like, let's just throw stuff against the wall and see if it sticks. Um, the, the loon shot type approach, which can be both a, what they call a P type and an S type, right? P type is a product loon shot, like the Macintosh, an S type moonshot, which is like a system or strategy, which was, which would be selling songs on iTunes for 99 cents. Like mm. not, you know, it's like yeah. a game changer, right? No one knew any of those would work but the 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 fundamental difference the the fundamentals behind all that was i think they got the story straight first like they knew in their mind oh here's the trend this is how we're going to have to talk about it the technology is all there but in order to give it the best shot we need to you know see if this is going to stick um and that was you know historically at at apple and they did another example of of, um genentech was the same way where you know their story their company story was you know we do good science and we're attention to detail and we just have this kind of methodology because they spent the time to figure it out the companies that either strayed away from that like polaroid and kodak (laughs) (laughs) um didn't and, and, and it's a great but I'll put a sh- I'll put a link in the show notes and I'll send you, I'll send you a link to it because it's for what we do in terms of storytelling and branding it's really good framework for the um, the sort of the soldier versus uh, soldier versus artist
2: thing mm-hmm. yeah it's like the push pull of you know any sales versus product type type problem
1: Yeah, but it was, it's just so, but it was more, it was more than that because, because they had this thing like, you know, phase change in materials, like he was getting really geeky. He's like, you know, well, water at a certain temperature is both a solid and a liquid, right? Or it has ice chunks in it, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And his analogy was, you want to have that phase change, but you want to keep them as separate as you can, right? And, And so, but you have to have this very delicate balance between balloon shot and the the um the what's it called the thing that's paying the bills yeah and i I wonder if that analogy can be applied to storytelling and, and kind of what 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 we do
2: i mean part of me hopes that what we do is paying the bills but you never know i mean it's that's where it some people get it and some people don't, but I I do think that there's certainly something to be said for incorporating. I wouldn't even necessarily consider it a balance, but incorporating both sides of that into kind of how you think about these things. It doesn't have to be either, or it doesn't have to be, you know, we're going to do whatever you want and good luck selling it. It it really can be a a kind of a, at least a symbiotic relationship where you both can kind of contribute in your own way. And it makes
1: the whole a little stronger. Yeah. So yeah, maybe, yeah, it's a good point. I mean, this, I'm just kind of free, <laughs> free association with, because on, one, it was on my mind one mm. and two, I very rarely get to talk to people that do what I do that like kind of know what they're doing. <laughs> Not that I don't, but it's kind of interesting to have that, like the, 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 the thing that's the, the reason why I bring this up is because I'm trying to f- crack this nut in a way where storytelling and the whole content marketing engine where again, going from zero to one, we can, we can do, but the one to 10 is a little more systematic because it's just not, I mean, yeah, there's all the tools and the marketing um, metrics and Google and Facebook ads and all that sort of stuff. But the, the stuff that like the real creative stuff, the things that matter, like getting the story straight, how are we going to talk about this? Like what you would do, like as a journalist laying out like the argument or like how are you going to report on it? What are the facts? What's the lead? You know, like all that sort of stuff. It's so scattered.
2: Yeah. And I think that the big linchpin for me is like being able to determine what is interesting and what's not interesting. And at one point I had a, a list of some things that I would kind of think about when trying to find that. And whenever I talk to a client, I can usually pull that, whatever the interesting thing is, out in about 20 minutes. But there's there needs to be a methodology for that because it, it it's really one of those things that, yeah, you know it when you see it, but it, it should be easier to identify. And from that point, you can build a lot of other stuff around it. It, it just it has to be – there has to be a central kind of thing that you're shooting for, whether it's you're doing something unique and innovative or you are interesting in some way or whatever it is. Yeah. That's the big linchpin
1: for me. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Like I know because I I mentor a bunch of entrepreneurs, and the technical ones are the Mm. like the most notoriously bad at this. I'll say, so tell me what you do. 20 minutes later. I mean, and I have a degree in electrical engineering. Like I'm (laughs) technical. Like I've written, like I've done some pretty technical stuff. I'm like, I have no idea what you do. (laughs) I should know. Like there's one person on the planet that should understand or maybe not one person, but you know what I mean? Like I should know what you're doing. Right. And I just remember like, yeah, that's a really good point, man. When
2: I first started doing this, I worked with a lot of engineers Mm. on the oil and gas side, oddly enough, and some structural engineering and like that kind of engineer. Mm. And, I, I used to love it. I still kind of love it when I'd sit down with them and we talk. they would like, "Okay, we need to do an op-ed for this, you know, industry publication or whatever it is. And I want to talk about this that, and the other." And so we start talking, and about twenty minutes into the pop, into the conversation, they just drop something on me that it, that is what the story should be. Yeah, and they hadn't even thought about it. It didn't come up that it was this is what they should be talking about.
1: And then yeah, we just yeah. pull that
2: out of them. That's always yeah. fun.
1: Yeah, it's like how yeah, how do you systematize that?
2: I, that's I don't know. I mean, that's really one of those like when I was an editor, that was one of the things we'd like look for in interviews with new, new hires. And like, it was, I don't even know how to teach it. It's just one of those things, hmm. but there's gotta be a way to like highlight, you know, applies to a broader group of people beyond who you think it applies to, or there's multiple sides to the story. And we can see it from different angles, depending on your own perspective and things like that.
1: Yeah. I, you know, yeah. Cause I, I kind of call that what's, the, what's the big idea. mm-hmm like i I've, i I've, I've, I've i'm trying to work this out and the reason why this is important on an entrepreneur podcast is as an entrepreneur if you're listening to this you need to understand your big idea before you go off and spend lots and lots of money trying to hire tim or myself to try to figure out how to market it or talk about it um yeah but for me like trying to get that nugget and it's 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 you're right it's like it's what you think you're building and then there's really the story behind what you're building. There's the why, the big why, I mean the why. And then there's the big idea. And then there's what transcends all of humanity, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the big, big idea, right? And yeah, you're right. I have, I have some of those same conversations with people where I, I'm, I'm taking notes and I'm trying to understand what they do. And then all of a sudden, you're right. I don't know if it's 20 minutes. Sometimes it's like hours into this discussion. <laughs> it's fair. It's like, hey, That's it. That's the nugget. That's the big idea right there. And I circle it. And I'm like, how do I, how do we, you know, how do we like figure that out? How do we tell that story? And for whatever reason they are like, well, no, we're going to talk about how much better, faster, cheaper we are. And we're like, Mm -hmm. no one cares about that. Like you're not, no, no one, if it's just a me too, better, faster, or the, the Uber of, or the Lyft of, or the Airbnb of, which I'm not a fan of, but you know, for venture capitalists, they need to understand that because they think that way you get. Once you get that nugget though. Yeah. It makes life a lot easier. I, I would be very curious. Yeah. I need to work on that because that would make my job so much easier.
2: (laughs) (laughs) If you think about it it's what it is that people will care about, that's what you're really getting for. Like making people care.
1: Yes. Yes. And it's not what the, the creator or the company cares about. It's what that end customer like yeah. or yeah. that prospect or whoever you're trying to get above the noise on, like what's the, yeah. What do they care about? It, I, I think it's an emotional appeal too. Mm-hmm. like, it's a, like, like a pathos, like, you know, the whole Aristotle persuasion thing, but like what emotional th- trigger. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's super interesting. I Again, I, maybe one day we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Tim, it's been a great conversation. I'm, I, I personally got a lot out of it. I don't know if anyone else on that's listening well, but, but you guys should listen to all of this because the reason it's important is because you've got two people that tell stories for a living. We get paid to tell stories. One of them actually was a journalist. I'm just a author and like a quote unquote hack, but Take our advice to heed, right? Get your story straight first <laughs> before you want to, you know. That's right. <laughs> do that stuff. Thanks again. I cool. appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.